Hello, and welcome to another episode of Right Care Baptist. I'm Jake Lancaster, an internal medicine physician and the chief medical information officer for the Baptist system. And I'm Amanda Comer. I'm a nurse practitioner and the system director for advanced practice providers. And today we're really excited to have Krista George on, an associate professor of pharmacology at UT, to talk to us about uh, these new medications that everybody is very interested in, the uh, GLP-1 agonists or GLP-1 receptor agonists. Um, Krista, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. So for our audience, can you just tell us a little bit of your background and, and what you do um, Yeah, for Baptist? Sure. Um, so uh, like you said, I'm Associate Professor of Clinical Pharmacy at UT in the College of Pharmacy, and um, I teach uh, uh the diabetes block uh, within the curriculum, along with communication um, and other um, interprofessional education uh, simulation skills. And um, my, I am also a clinical pharmacist at BMG uh, in the Finn Medical Associates um, Clinic. Well, it's so great to have you on. Um, and and dive into this topic that is you know that I'm getting asked a lot about. So yeah. just just starts off you know broadly. What are GLP-1 agonists? All right. So um, the GLP-1 agonists are a group of drugs. Uh, there you may also hear them referred to as incretin agents. Uh, because they mimic the action of the endogenous hormone uh, GLP-1, which is classified as an incretin hormone. Okay, so tell me, um, tell me how these medications work, or how this class of medications work. Okay, um, so uh, they're really interesting because they have four primary uh, mechanisms of action. They uh, stimulate insulin production from pancreatic beta cells, but they only do it in response to a rise in postprandial uh, blood glucose levels. Um, they also inhibit uh, the release of glucagon from pancreatic alpha cells. They slow gastric emptying and suppress appetite as well. And, and we've been using these for, for diabetes and other diseases for, for how long now? Uh, I believe the first one, first one to market was Exenatide or Bieta or Bidurion, um, and I believe that one came to market in 2005 or six, so the mid 2000s. Okay, and so you know we've said you know these are approved for diabetes. Are they? What else are they approved for? Yeah, um, so they're all approved to treat uh, type two diabetes. Um, they are a few of them have an additional indication of being approved to reduce the incidence of major cardiovascular events in patients with type 2 diabetes who are categorized as being a high risk for um, ASCVD or if they already have established um, ASCVD. But only three drugs in the class carry that um, approval. Uh, additionally, there are two drugs in the class that are marketed under different brand names and used at higher doses that are approved to treat um, obesity and overweight in non-diabetic patients. Okay, so let's talk more about that. How do these drugs affect weight loss or help with obesity? 
Sure. Um, so primarily through the uh, through neural mechanisms of uh, slowing down gastric emptying and uh, suppressing appetite. So patients will notice that they will feel uh, satiated faster from a smaller amount of food. So it's a really significant decrease in appetite, which you know leads to decreased caloric intake and um, significant um, weight loss. And you know, you, you said just a second ago, there's some that are approved for weight loss, some that are approved for you know the treatment of type two diabetes, and some that have that additional one of also being approved for decreasing the um, the risk for um, cardiovascular disease. Can you, can you tell us just some of the generic names? I know you mentioned uh, semaglutide, exanatide. Which ones are approved for which category? It's sure. so hard to keep them all straight. I know. It's hard, hard to keep them all straight. Um, so all the drugs in the class, um, exenatide, uh, dulaglutide, liraglutide, uh, semaglutide, uh, they're all approved uh, to treat type 2 diabetes. There are three of those that are FDA approved to reduce the incidence of cardiovascular events in type 2 diabetic patients who either have ASCVD or they're high risk. And those are dulaglutide, liraglutide, and the injectable formulation of semaglutide. And that, that's only the injectable, that the oral formulation of semaglutide does not provide cardiovascular protection. Okay, I think that's a good point. So, you know, there's injectable forms. There's also oral forms. Are there oral forms of all, all of the four that you mentioned? No, just for semaglutide. Um, that's okay. the only one that has an oral formulation. Okay, and that one is not approved for that reduction in um, cardiovascular disease risk. But what about for weight loss? Which ones are approved for weight loss? Um, so liraglutide is marketed under the trade name Saxenda for specifically for um, uh, weight loss. And it's meant to be used in conjunction with a low calorie diet and physical activity. Uh, it's approved for adults with a body mass index of uh, greater than or equal to 30 or a BMI of greater than or equal to 27 if they have uh, at least one other uh, weight-related comorbid condition like hypertension or diabetes or dyslipidemia. Um, interestingly, uh, that one is also approved in pediatric patients aged age 12 years and older uh, mm -hmm. with a body weight above 60 kilos, uh, and that's a relatively new indication. Um, the other one that's approved for obesity is uh, injectable semaglutide, and that's marketed under, under the trade name Wagovi, and it's approved for those same indications in adults and also uh, pediatric patients age 12 and over uh, with a BMI at the 95th percentile or higher. So that was Saxenda, which is liraglutide, and Wagovi, which is semaglutide, both injectable. What about uh, Monjaro? Monjaro is is uh, the newest agent to come on the market. So Monjaro is actually in a class on its own. It is the first dual action um, 
dual action agent um, to treat type 2 diabetes. So it is a GLP-1 receptor agonist, but it also has effects on um, glucose insulinotropic polypeptide or GIP. Um, So it's dual purpose and that one's approved for uh, obesity treatment as well. Uh, currently, Monjaro is uh, approved for the treatment of type 2 diabetes. Okay. Um, there has been some recent data published looking at its effectiveness in obesity. Um, and my current understanding is that the company plans to seek approval for that. But uh, if Monjaro is used to treat obesity, that would be considered off-label usage at this time. Okay. And then, sorry. Uh- there's a lot of different names out there right now. I hear about Ozempic a lot as well. Mm-hmm. And that so one, go ahead. Oz- Ozempic um, is injectable semaglutide. And um, uh, Ozempic uh, currently is approved to treat uh, type 2 diabetes uh, to reduce the risk of, AS, uh, of cardiovascular events in people with ASCVD or high risk. So using Ozempic for weight loss at this time is also considered to be off-label use. Okay, but it's the same drug as Wegovy, just yes. a different name, or different it's dose? It's a different name and a different dose. Okay. Yes. Okay, so for the indication of obesity, I would use Wegovy. That's correct. For the indication of diabetes or reduction of cardiovascular um, disease, I would use Ozempic. That's correct. Okay. And the doses are different. Yes, the doses are different. Generally, for the agents that are FDA approved for obesity, um, those doses are higher than what would be used to treat type 2 diabetes. So it all sounds too good to be true. You know, weight <laughs> loss, diabetes, reduction in cardiovascular events. Um, so there has to be side effects. Tell me what, um, what are the potential side effects? Sure. So uh, the most common side effect is uh, nausea, and that can and that can range in incidence from as low as 11 percent um, to 21 percent on average. Uh, the one exception to that is immediate release exenatide or the Bieda twice daily product, and that one causes the most nausea at around 40 percent or more. Um, so primarily, we're thinking about GI side effects. You can also have vomiting, diarrhea, and abdominal pain. For the majority of patients, these symptoms uh, are mild and tend to be transient. And we can try to reduce the incidence of nausea by counseling patients ahead of time to um, eat uh, smaller amounts of food uh, at each meal, um, to eat slowly so that they, they don't overeat and feel too full and then that would exacerbate the GI symptoms. And I've also heard of, you know, compounding pharmacies mixing it with B12 to try to reduce the risk of nausea. Have you heard of that practice as well? I'll be honest. I've not heard of that practice. Okay. Um, one other side effect I'd heard of was gallstones, but I, I can't remember if that was due to just the weight loss effects, which we know rapid weight loss can triggered that or if it was due to the medication itself? Has there been any, how do we tease those apart or, or do you know? Um, you know, I'm sorry. I, I don't know if there's literature on that at all. Now, the, the drugs have been 
Um, historically, there were case reports that associated this class of drugs with the risk of pancreatitis. Um, mm. It does carry a precaution, but a cause and effect relationship has not been established. Um, but as far as um, the gallstones, I am not aware of literature on that. Okay. Okay. Are there any contraindications? Um, yes, there are. Um, for all the drugs in the class, they're contraindicated in uh, patients with a personal or family history of medullary thyroid carcinoma or MTC. And they're also contraindicated in patients with a personal history of multiple endocrine neoplasia type 2 um, or MEN2. And then for exenatide only, it should not be used in patients with a creatinine clearance less than 30. Hmm. Okay, that's good to know. And so these medications you said, I, I don't know if we talked about them each specifically, but you know, how are they administered? Are the patients coming to the clinic to have them administered? Are they doing it themselves at home? What is the current practice looking like? Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, patients can self-administer these medications. Um, we do uh, do some education of, of how to administer the injection. Um, each medication comes with its own uh, inject, injectable automatic injector device. And um, so there is a slight learning curve because each device is slightly different from um, from the other ones. But they do um, administer at home. Okay. And is it a weekly injection for all of them? Uh, not for all of them. Um, there are uh, some that uh, have to be given daily. For example, liraglutide, which is the trade name Victoza, um, is daily. Uh, immediate release exenatide or the trade name Bietta is actually twice a day. Um, mm. But for some of the others, like dulaglutide, which is the trade name uh, Trulicity, that's once a week. Semaglutide or Ozempic uh, is also once a week. And exenatide extended release or Bidurion is uh, once a week. So it, it depends on the product primarily. Okay. I was just going to ask, how much do these cost? I mean, that's always a big factor for some of these medications, um, especially if, you know, and how does it, what does insurance pay for? And do you have any, any thoughts or any um, suggestions for our, our medical staff on, on how to approach it from the cost perspective? Oh, sure. Um, so the, the bottom line is if you, if you have a patient that's uninsured, these are likely to be out of reach because they are uh, several hundred dollars per month. So they're quite expensive. They're not available generically uh, for your patients uh, that have uh, either private or um, government insurance for, for commercial or private insurance. Typically, we see these drugs listed as tier three, which for most um, insurance plans, uh, that means that it's a branded product, and um, typically most commercial plans have tiers that range from tier one, which is um, less expensive, primarily generic drugs, and then two through four. Um, as you increase your tier, your cost increases as well. So it's very dependent on the formulary of the plan. 
And so my recommendation would be uh, if, if you can or if you have someone in your office that can assist you, um, try to check the formulary. Some plans will prefer one agent of the class over others. Um, and the tier, the most common tier that I'm seeing is usually these are around um, tier three. Um, and then if you have a patient that is uh, uh, on TenCare, uh, TenCare typically has clinical criteria that a patient would have to meet, and you'd have to send a prior authorization request for that. And they typically limit, um, they, they will have an agent that's preferred. They'll usually choose one out of the class that you can ask uh, for PA uh, for. Okay. So outside those scenarios, um, most of the manufacturers do offer um, coupons, which you can download from the uh, drug website. Uh, sometimes you can find additional discount coupons through the Good RX uh, program. Uh, a lot of patients are familiar with that. And then most of the companies will offer an additional patient assistance program where a patient would apply and submit information about uh, their financial income and whether or not they were insured. And so for uninsured patients, that can often be um, a, a route to obtain the drug. If their income is below a certain level and they're uninsured, in certain cases, uh, the manufacturers will provide the drugs at no cost to mm -hmm. a patient. Um, it just requires uh, some paperwork and some leg work on the part of the prescriber and the patient. Okay, so I'd like to go back to the weight loss medications. Can you tell me how much um, how much weight are we talking about? What weight reduction are we seeing in these folks? Okay, um, so specifically for the uh, liraglutide Saxenda product, um, one of the main study that led to its approval. Um, looked at somewhere around 2,500 patients. And of those patients, 62% lost 5% of their body weight for an average of around 12 pounds. Um, and then uh, about 34% lost greater than 10% of their start body weight for an average of 23 pounds. So um, that, that kind of gives you an idea for that drug. For semaglutide or the Wagovi uh, branded product, Overall, in their pre-marketing trial, the average weight loss was about 15% of the starting body weight for wow. an average of 35 pounds. So it's, it's, it's a very significant amount of weight loss when you use them at those higher doses. Uh, to contrast that, when you're using the lower doses to treat diabetes, your weight loss ranges from anywhere from two to four kilos. So not quite as much as at, at those lower doses. What about any other metrics? Did they list, you know, reductions in systolic blood pressure or dyslipidemia changes? Do they have any effect on those things? Um, they do. Generally, they have a positive effect on um, uh, blood pressure. Uh, occasionally, you, you might see a slight increase in heart rate, but technically that it, it's typically not um, clinically uh, significant, but they do have favorable effects on um, blood pressure and lipids. Okay. 
Okay, tell me about when we stop those the medications. Like, are, is it a lifetime that you take the medication for weight loss, or? Well, it's uh, this is a great question, and and there's been a lot of um, commentary recently in the literature and in the lay press about what happens when these meds are stopped. And I think the the take home point is that the literature shows that obesity, overweight and obesity is chronic disease process. And unfortunately, what happens when the medications are stopped is that the weight comes back. Um, For type two diabetes, uh, specifically, when you stop these meds, the blood glucose will increase again. Um, so uh, referring to the um, weight loss formulations, semaglutide, the Wagovi product, um, there was one study uh, that was done recently that showed that um, for patients who took the drug for 68 weeks at the highest dose of 2.4 milligrams once a week, uh, when they stopped the drug um, and then they followed those patients for a year after they stopped the drug, they had regained two-thirds of the weight they had initially lost. Mm. Um, So unfortunately, um, weight is regained, and uh, if you're thinking about diabetes, the blood glucose will increase after the drugs are stopped. That's all very good information. And, you know, just like hypertension or or diabetes and other diseases, heart disease, we we often have these patients on them for for many years. you know, it's very rare, you know, be able to get off your blood pressure medicines once you get on it, um, unfortunately. And I guess the same would be true for these medications. But, um, you know, one other thing that has come up, you know, you see it in the news some um, is uh, they're, they're calling it Ozempic face, um, I guess. Uh, have you heard about this uh, side effect of some of these medications um, where they're losing, you know, I guess, the buckle fat in their face faster than, than somewhere else, I guess. Well, you know, uh, I just I just recently at yesterday, uh, this uh, question came up from from one of my students. And prior to that, I was not uh, aware of it. But it, it's it's a hot topic right now um, in the lay press. And so um, I haven't had a chance to read yet about um why you would lose that weight first, but uh, is definitely something that patients are talking about. Yeah, yeah there are pictures on Instagram <laughs> with the facial comparisons. <laughs> yes, I saw I after my student uh, brought this up, I, I, I did some some online searching and um, and I, I saw some very interesting uh, pictures. <laughs> well, one more thing to, to keep in mind when you're I guess, debating on whether or not to prescribe these medications or take them as a patient. Um, But, you know, this has all been very great information. Keeping track of all the different ones and which ones are approved for which indication has been tough. Um, So I I thought that was very helpful. You know, what can you tell us about future developments in this field? Um, Where is this this going? Um, Well, I think... uh, Going back to, uh, you mentioned the product um, Munjaro, um, the generic name is terzepatide. I would look for that to uh, most likely receive FDA approval uh, to treat overweight and obesity. I, I would say that's definitely um, on the horizon. There are some um, early 
studies um, looking at whether or not the GLP-1s can have an effect on some other um, disease states. For example, um, it's being studied uh, to see if it has any effects on uh, depression, on uh, Parkinson's disease. So um, it's, it's very, very early uh, at this point, but that's just something to keep in mind as well. No, that's very interesting. Uh, I had not heard that. Um, well, thank you again. I think this is great information for our medical staff. I know, you know this, is, this is a topic that we get asked about a lot from patients, uh, family members, and other physicians. So thanks again for coming on and, and clearing up um, this, this topic that can be confusing. So um, thank you. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Right Care Baptist. Rem- remember, if you follow the link in the show notes, you can redeem this episode for CME credit. Thank you for having me.